So whenever you're suffering, just chalk it up. That's fine. God sees. God's going to take care of it. I win. You lose. In your mind, you know that. Who keeps the books? He keeps the books. Just let him keep the books. He won't forget anything. It would be a sin for God to forget your work and labor for the Lord. Look what he says in the next verse. Verse 21. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also, and here's that word again, suffered, suffered for us. Leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. In other words, maybe God is concerned about you suffering for him. You say, boy, I didn't know it was going to be this much. But it comes in different ways. You see, it would be different if you and I could choose which way to suffer and when to suffer. Then we'd be ready for it. But we don't get to choose. We don't get to choose the trial and the testing. God does all that for us. There's a course laid out. We've got to run our race. So as we're running our race, God puts little obstacles or allows them to be put in our way. And they cause us a lot of heartache. And you know, all those things causes the person who wants to serve the Lord get a little bit closer to the Lord. So God uses things to crowd you to Christ. Crowd it to Christ. I got a book this thick I got from Dr. Lee Robertson years ago called Crowded to Christ. I read that book and I'd cry. I'd read some more and I'd cry. I read that book and I'd cry. I cried almost all the way through the book because I was living the book. What I was going through in my life, I was living that book. And everything seems to be pointing, this is me. This is me. And buddy, did it really help me to understand some of the trials that you go through in life. And so he says, follow myself. Look in verse 23 where he says, who when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, when he suffered. So all of this is, wouldn't it be easier for God just to remove all the things that causes us to suffer? Now that would be a blessing. That would be an answer to prayer. But then he might as well just go ahead and take you on home because that's not why he left you here. He wants you to demonstrate to the world you love him more than anything that could ever happen, whether good or bad. It wouldn't change you. You are the way you are because this is your character. Good things happen, praise the Lord. Bad things happen, praise the Lord. And it doesn't matter. Remember in the book of Job, The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Should we bless the Lord only when he gives and curse him when he takes things away? When it's easy for us, we praise the Lord. God sure is good. Did you know when your worst day, your darkest day, God is still just as good? His characteristic, he he don't change. God doesn't become evil one day and good the next day. He is a perfect God that makes no mistakes. We're supposed to believe all of that. But he says here in verse 23, there's a a word here, committed. I want you to look at verse 23 again. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Can you commit yourself to him that judgeth righteously? Knowing God saw this. God saw what people said and what people did. 
God knows how I hurt and what caused it. And I'm committed to him knowing he will judge righteously and I don't have to worry about it. It keeps you from taking matters into your own hand and saying or doing something that you wish you hadn't have done 20 years later. It's a pretty good information, really does. Now look there in chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And look down there in verse 7. Verse 7 where he says, so likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them, talking about your wives, dwell with them according to knowledge. Now, that's going to be difficult, I know. I was talking to the college kids the other day, and I might even mention it yesterday or Sunday. That, you know, just because you don't understand something doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And they don't understand God, so God must not exist. So I said, that would be like, since I don't understand my wife, therefore she doesn't exist. No, she does exist, and she is for real, and you may never understand her all the days of your life. That's okay. That just comes with the territory. You should have known that when you married them, unless you got married young and didn't, and didn't have any sense. And so a lot of people get married when they're young and got a bit of sense. Don't even know what love is. All we know is I like you, you like me, let's get married. And there you go. And uh, could cost you as much as $5, you know. If you're the right kind of a man, the wife will be willing to buy you, you know, pay $5 for you. My wife got me 50% off. Good deal. But anyway, you look up there in this verse 7 where he makes this statement. According to knowledge given honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, eternal life, that, and you ought to underline this, your prayers be not hindered. And so your prayers can be hindered if things are not right at home. And you want to do right. You don't want your prayers to be hindered. But also to look at this verse. Look up here in verse 14. Verse 14 where he says, But and if ye suffer... But and if you suffer, and that word if means, and you will, the same as you read over there in the book of James when it says, uh, uh, when you fall into diverse temptations, you know, and you will. And if you suffer for righteousness' sake, you're doing right, and you're paying a price. You try to discipline the way you should. Try to be a good dad or a good mom and kids and all that kind of stuff that goes on. Not everything is going to work out like you think. A lot of things down here is going to be a lot of loose ends. It's kind of like this um, little boy was sitting on the porch and he was looking up at grandma and she's sitting in a rocking chair and she's doing some embroidering, you know. So he's looking from his end. All he sees is those broken pieces of strings. But she's up there just to, working on a pattern. He said, what are you doing? says, I'm making a picture. Sure don't look like it to me. Well, what does it look like to you? It looks like nothing. Nothing's, there ain't no picture there at all. There's nothing. So when she got through, she let him sit. See, he was, he was looking from his perspective, and she was looking from her perspective. For you and me, we, we see things from this perspective. And all we see is a lot of broken ends. No continuity. Nothing going together. No pattern. We don't see a design. 
And it just seems like it's so haphazard. And yet one of these days, God's going to bring us to heaven and going to show you what he's been doing. And you'll find out God has been working in your life in a marvelous way that you knew nothing about. And you won't understand it until you get there. So can we be patient? Can we wait long enough to see what God has been doing? The longer you live, you start seeing some of these things coming together. And you can see how God did this and why he did that and why he did that. And there'd be a lot of things that you don't understand. But he says, secret things belongeth unto the Lord. So if you look at it, it makes sense. But up there in verse 14. But and if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye. See those three little words? It's okay to suffer when you're doing right. And it's okay to be happy when people do you wrong. And there's a lot of people will say hurting, cutting, detrimental things to you. And people will fail you. Not everybody's faithful. It would be great if everybody was just faithful. Everybody's on the same page. And nobody hurt anybody. And, but we don't. We fail each other. I'll fail you. I'm a preacher, but I'm a man. I got faults. I, I think I found one of them about two years ago. It was a small one. No. But everybody, the best of us, has faults. Now, you may not have known that. I'm, I hate to tell on you. But it says, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. In other words, there are terrorists in the world. There's people who cause us fear. Terrorists. Little terrorists. And did you know that Christians can be little terrorists? They can hurt you. They can scare you. Don't you hurt for those you love, and you're afraid they're going to make some decisions that might put scars on them for the rest of their life, and you, you can't stand it. You, you cringe because you don't want them to do that. And you're looking way down the road, and all they think about is right now. Give me, give me, give me. I want to do whatever I want to do. It's my life and all that stuff. I know. And you suffer for it. But you can still be happy if you're doing what's right. Look at the next one I want you to see. Look in verse 17. For it is better. For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. It is God's will that you suffer for doing right. Those that live godly shall suffer persecution. You're going to be persecuted in one way or the other. And it might be the devil that will persecute you. Why do you think in the midst of all of these things like this, he brings up, um, oh, this guy named um, Satan. Is that his name? The old devil? Look over there very quickly in chapter 5. Here you are studying about this life and all the problems and the burdens and the sorrow, the heaviness, the suffering, all these things. And then it says over there in verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Cast all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. And then look what he says. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, you have an adversary. You have someone that wants to keep you from being happy. Someone that keeps you from serving God. 
from being what God wants you to be. There's somebody in this world that you can't see working behind the scenes through circumstances and people to do everything possible to get you to stop, to get mad, and quit on God. He ain't going to win, is he? You ain't going to let the devil win, are you? Are you? You're not going to let the devil win. I just want to give him a big old black eye. So that when my life is over, I say, I would hate to think that I lived here for all these years and the devil don't even know who I am. Now, there is some scripture that talks about such a thing. And uh, the devil is real. And he says, as a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour... Does the devil know when you are stressed out? Does he know when you're discouraged? Does he know when you're down? Does he know exactly the right time to jump on you? I think he's smarter than we think. He's been doing this for a few thousand years, you know. And then he makes this statement in verse 9. Whom, whom, resist steadfast in the faith. Steadfast in the faith means you don't stop, you don't quit, you don't give in. You just keep believing God and keep getting up. And you have the lust of the flesh. And so the devil tries to lure you through the lust of the flesh. And buddy, we get the old flesh uh, might, uh, when you read the book of Proverbs and talks about so many times about a, a lazy person. And about, you know, sleeping too much. And uh, I was told that your dreams are more likely to be fulfilled if you don't oversleep. Your dreams are more likely to be fulfilled if you don't oversleep. I think that's a pretty good statement. All right, go back over here to this other verse. I want you to see there in verse 18 of chapter 3. Verse 18 says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. Did he suffer? Yes, he did. He suffered for us. Now, God wants us to suffer for him, that we might bring people to God. And so it's the things that we have to go through, the price we have to pay, the dedication, whether it's the finances, the giving of our time, our praying, all that we do, for the sake of reaching others for the Lord. There's a price to pay. And some people will pay that price. And they'll pay it gladly. But do you understand that you can't outgive God. God will make it very well worth your while. God is not going to let you go unrewarded. He will make it worth your while. That is so interesting to know. Also look down here at verse 1 of chapter 4. In chapter 4 and verse 1 he says, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves. Be ready, likewise, with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Christ ceased and suffered for us. You and I have a, 
a deadline. We just don't know where it is. And one of these days, it's going to all be over. Until then, we've got an old sinful nature that the devil's going to use to try to get us sidetracked and to get us away from God. And the Lord talks about us realizing this one little thing right here. He suffered for us in the flesh. We are in the flesh. We are in this world. And if they treat him the way they did, should we expect to be treated better? That we should get through scot-free and nothing happened to us? We are privileged to live in America where we don't have to suffer. But there's a lot of things that we suffer because of what we're trying to get done in the ministry. You have no idea all the time that's spent trying to figure out how to take care of everything, how just to pay people, how to keep books. I would rather just give me Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 and John three sixteen in the wallet and turn me loose. But there's all this other stuff you have to figure out. I mean, we spent several months just on insurance, trying to figure out what we're doing with that. And the Lord knew we needed help, and he sent Jan along. But think of all the pressure we had, and we just needed a little help. A little help. She had a lot of help. And then now we work on something else. Then we work on something else. And we think... Is camp going to be automatic that it does it all by itself? All we got to do is just show up. Isn't that right, Peter? Just show up. There's nothing we have to do. It just, it just does it all by itself. And Peter's been working day and night, working on the little booklet that we have to get done. And you get tired. You get weary. And going through things like this. So anytime we get close to done, we just send it to Jan and say, Jan, make it right. Because she's, a, she's a, a whiz on reading and correcting things. And so we just, we're just finding out that some, some people have different talents, you know. And so everybody's got something. And uh, we just thank the Lord for it. And you can help relieve somebody else's burdens. <laughs> this is what he's talking about. Bear ye one another's burdens. And so we cast it on the Lord. And the Lord was working through Jan, so we just threw it on Jan. Now look at another verse. Look in verse 13. Look in verse 13 of chapter 4. But rejoice, but rejoice. Why should I rejoice? Inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed. It's not yet. Be patient. It's not here yet. Payday's coming. Payday's coming. And when it does... You may be glad also with exceeding joy. You're going to be glad. Exceeding joy. So all the hurt, the suffering that we go through now, like we've got several people in our church right now that's hurting. And, they, you know, that's not a piece of cake. It's something. They hurt. And they got to go through this. And it may be them today, but it might be somebody else a little bit later down the road. So we don't know. But we do know that as God says right here, the day is going to come when his glory is revealed. We will be exceeding glad that we had the opportunity to suffer in this old body. See, if God gave us glorified bodies right now, we wouldn't suffer. We wouldn't worry about anything. We'd be like Superman, you know, walking around here. But we don't have these glorified bodies. We have these real young bodies 
teenage bodies that grew old on us. Now we've got to put up with this old body that we've got. But, he says up there in another verse, I want you to see this. See that in verse 12? Beloved, think it not strange, strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. And some of it is a fiery trial. It doesn't all happen at one time or the same thing to everybody. God knows exactly what each one of us need. Look also down here in verse 15. Something he says not to do. He says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Boy, putting busybody in there with murderers? You know, there's a lot of people, I guess, just plain old busybodies. I've never been called one of those. I don't know if I've ever seen one before. Well, I guess I have. I won't mention her name. No. No, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. There's a price to pay. There's a price to always. Look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf, because there's a day coming when God is going to reward you for what you've done. And it will be worth it all. It'll be worth it all. Look in verse 19. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. So is it the will of God that some of his people suffer? That's what he says. Can you do right and suffer for it? Yes. Yes. So I didn't know it's going to be this bad. Most people don't have the problems they had until after they get saved and dedicate their lives to the Lord. And then it seemed like it all breaks loose. Because, you see, before you knew the Lord, the devil leave you alone. Before you dedicate your life to the Lord, you know, it's different. But when you make up your mind, I'm going to serve the Lord, and I want to give God credit and give God glory for my life, you'd be surprised how it just all can just snowball on you. But all of this is important. But look in verse 1 of chapter 5. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the... He was there when he, he saw Christ suffer. He saw him. And he says, and also a partaker of the glory. He saw him when he was transfigured. And he saw him in his power, in his glory. And he's talking about that day is coming. He came, he suffered, and now he's gone. But one day, you're going to see Christ in the kingdom. One day, we're all going to have glorified bodies. We're all going to be perfect. Everything's going to be wonderful. We just got a, a little bit longer to wait. So let's just be patient. Be patient while God works on us and in us and through us. Because what he's after is our good. All things, all things that you may have to suffer, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. To those who are called according to his purpose, it will be worth it all. It really will. There's one more verse that I want to show you before I get to the gospel, and that's down in verse 10. You see there in verse 10, But the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory, See, we're not in eternal glory yet. That's coming. 
Now we're here in this old world. We're in this old body and we're going to hurt. We're going to suffer. But after that ye have suffered, after the, you have suffered a while, and we don't know how long this while is, make you perfect, mature, established, settles you. See, after you go through some things and you've learned how to walk with the Lord and you trust the Lord, your faith gets stronger in the Lord. And then the next thing comes along. Remember, there's always got to be something else coming along down the road that challenges your faith, that make your faith grow. So it's got to be a bigger problem, a little bit harder, more difficult. It doesn't get easier as we get older, but we should have a, more, a greater understanding of grace and God's power and just to walk with him and trust him. And God will bless us for it. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. And this wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. Now, God says he loves us. He hates what we do wrong, but he loves us. And God says for us to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. None of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We've all sinned and come short of God's perfection. And to pay for this sin is death in hell. And God says you can't save yourself. You can't deliver yourself by any amount of good works. This end represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from the Lord. So Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead, and said that if we would believe that he did it for us, he would put this payment to our account. Christ paid for all my sins. They're all paid. I don't have any sins to pay for. The blood of Christ, given his life, paid for all my sins. I accept it. I'm good to go. I go to heaven on what Christ did for me. That is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. He said, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. Would you right now? whether here in the auditorium or you that are watching by internet, I pray that you would understand that God so loved the world, that's you, that he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus Christ, that whosoever, you, me, anybody in the whole world, whosoever would believe, believe it in him. That means you believe that he was the Lord, that he died on that cross, and that he came back from the dead, and he will give you eternal life if you believe it. And you'll trust him. And if you trust him right now, he saves you right now and gives you the free gift. I pray that you will. Our Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Thank you for the privilege to come together and share these thoughts. Because, Father, day by day, week by week, month by month, it's amazing how we can very easily forget all your wonderful words and promises. But, Father, we know we're looking beyond this life. We're looking to that eternal glory, the day when we will be with you because we, uh, we've trusted you as our Savior and we have an inheritance that's undefiled, an inheritance that can't fade away, that's reserved in heaven for us, and we thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.